Hello, data enthusiasts. This is Chris Detzel, and I'm Michael Burke. Welcome to Data Hurls. We are your gateway into the intricate world of data, where AI, machine learning, big data, and social justice intersect. Expect thought-provoking discussions, captivating stories, and insights from experts all across the industries as we explore the unexpected ways data impacts our lives. So get ready to be informed, inspired, and excited about the future of data. Let's conquer these data hurdles together. All right, welcome to another Data Hurdles podcast. My name is Chris Detzel, and I'm Michael Burke. How are you doing, Chris? Pretty good. How about you? Good. Getting ready for the holidays. We are hosting this year, so the house needs to look immaculate. Everything mm-hmm. needs to be cleaned, like double what it normally... I don't know why. I think the house is clean already, but like all these chores, a little preoccupied, excited for the holidays, excited for a good time to reset for the next few days. How about yourself? Yeah, look, it's the holidays. We're off the entire week next week. So Reltio gave us a, a nice little week off. And that's, that's pretty exciting. And my wife and I are big runners. So we'll, I'll be doing a 12 mile run with some speed work on Saturday and some other running during the week. And, but well, hey, we have a special guest on today that I'm really excited to talk to. And his name is Shane. And Shane, I'm going to let you introduce yourself, talk a little bit about who you are, what you do, and, and we'll get this going. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Chris and Mike. I really appreciate it. My name is Shane Mishler. I am the COO of SD Tech. We're a MSP, managed service provider. For those of you that don't know what it is, we provide IT solutions for small to medium-sized businesses. We're based out of San Antonio, Texas. We're nationwide. Technically, we're international. I have a handful of clients <laughs> that are in Canada, but we're, we're focused on the U.S. Outside of work, I... I'm still heavily ingrained in the technology community. I love gaming. I used to stream pretty regularly. Work has, work has taken that space over. I actually run a little bit. Definitely not 12 miles over the holidays. So that nowhere near that. Yeah, that's a little bit about me. Shane, no, no reason to compare. We all, I just tell people, exercise in any fashion on a consistent basis is the key to keep us healthy. You know what I mean? And some of us do more things than others, but any particular game you like specifically? Or? Right now, I've actually been playing quite a bit of The Finals, which is a new game that was just released on PC. Really fantastic and catching a little bit of controversial headlines because of its use of AI, actually. Uh, interesting. interesting. I haven't heard of this one. It looks cool. Yeah. Are you looking it up, Mike? I am, yeah. <laughs> totally. They used AI for all of the voiceovers. The game plays like you're you're part of a game show that's taking place in a virtual world. So it makes sense to me that they would use AI to do the voiceovers for the announcers. However, as as I'm sure you're very aware, Mike, using AI for that type of work is is very controversial at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, completely. And there's we we can. We should probably do another episode just on that with everything that's happening right now. If you've been reading in the press, I know a few people in these artist strikes right now and there's, it's such a gray space, right? And it's one of these other places that we're going to walk through. But anyways, that's not why we're here today. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll say this is, I think that, and, and Shane and I had mentioned this before you even got on, Mike, was gaming is never going to go away. I think that. My son plays games. I even play some games. 
to keep me focused. I say focus. It keeps me thinking about other things besides work. <laughs> and sometimes you have to do that. And there's a balance between anything that you do in life. And But I think gaming is here to stay forever and just will continue to grow. Why do you think Microsoft paid billions of dollars for Blizzard? Think about that. And they know it's not going away. But So you're right. We're not here to necessarily talk about that. But Shane, you've successfully transitioned across diverse industries from culinary work, from the culinary world, oil and gas, and then into technology. What are some key skills and mindsets do you believe that are essential for adapting effectively across such varied sectors everywhere? You've done a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. So I, I have, I, I wouldn't say that I've done a lot of stuff, but the stuff that I have done has been very different from, uh, from yeah. each vertical that I've been in. I would say that the, the most key piece of my mindset has been being open to learning. I, I really enjoy learning. I enjoy finding out about new things. And then I enjoy digging into those new subjects and, and expanding my knowledge uh, on them. So I would say that's key. And then this, the second piece, which is probably more at my core, is finding something that is worth pursuing. So whether it's because it makes you happy or it brings joy into your life, or there's a hundred different ways of saying it, but finding something that's worth pursuing. When I first got into my professional career, right? My very first job was in a restaurant and I started off washing dishes. I, when I left just shy of five years later, I was running every aspect of the restaurant and I had taken over all of the important duties from the owner and I was still cooking full time. I worked a ton, didn't make any money like at all. I was severely underpaid. It was in a small town, but I loved it. I truly did. 20 something years later and I look back on those memories and they're all just fantastic. And then <laughs> I went and worked in the oil and gas industry for just under five years and I hated it. Every single day, the culture was, I would like to say it was lacking, but the truth is that the, the culture in the industry is just very different than anything that I truly want to align myself with. I was in my mid twenties making six figures a year. It was really difficult to walk away from. But when I finally got the opportunity, I took a big step back and hung out with my wife and my kids and reset. And then I was like, what, what makes me happy? What do I want to pursue? What's something that I enjoy putting my time and effort into? And then it was, it was technology. It was probably always technology, but it became evident then. Yeah. Sometimes it takes different paths. We take different paths to get to where we same with me. I think Mike, same with him. Mike is an AI ML kind of guru leader on his space CTO now. Like me, I worked at Blockbuster Video, I worked at Best Buy, I worked at Inside Sales now to get to where I'm at. And I think we all, in some ways, take different paths. Chris, before you jump on, I just want to say too, that I love that you started off your career in the restaurant space. I think that for me too, like working in a restaurant is fundamental to how I deal with customers and clients today. I feel like everybody, when you're young, you should just try it. Try working in hospitality, get the hard feedback, managing expectations, timing. There's all these components which seem so simple that you're not thinking about for your future career, but are so applicable to everything else you do later on in life. And a restaurant is just one place where the ecosystem is just ruthless. Very true, Mike. Yeah, e even now, I when I'm looking to hire for our frontline employees, I really prefer a person who has background in the service industry 
or in retail. Uh, you know, however long ago it may have been or however recent, especially right now around the holidays, I am not envious of anybody working in retail right now. And you learn a lot about <laughs> yeah. managing clients. You really do. Yeah, no doubt. I remember when I worked at Best Buy and Thanksgiving was obvious that the day before Thanksgiving was always a, the just time where people line up. I was there at two or three in the morning and stayed till all day long. And it was insanity. You just watched it. You wouldn't really help people much because they're just running around picking up shit and you're like, oh my God. So <laughs> it was like a zoo. So tell us a little bit how you got to SD Tech and your career from there. Because I have some questions specifically around that. So yeah, I, I mentioned a little bit about the restaurant industry. During my personal life is really important to understand like how I ended up here. Uh, hmm. I was married the first, I've been married twice, working on my second marriage. It's been fantastic, long running, 15 years. So my first Congrats. marriage, I was, thank you. I was 20 years old. And when we met and it didn't last very long, I was really happy with the job that I had. And we were between my now ex and I, we were providing well for our family, but she had a very different upbringing than I did. And her parents were, I don't want to say wealthy, but they were doing good in their lives. I grew up very impoverished. We struggled. I'm the oldest of eight kids. And my mom had two to three part-time jobs trying to make it everything happen. So I grew up with slightly less than nothing. And I was really happy in my early 20s. And but my ex wanted more money. So I switched to oil and gas. And then while I was there, the marriage fell apart. And shortly afterwards, about a year or so afterwards, me and my current wife, who I've known since high school, reconnected. And a year and a half into our relationship, I got laid off. And I, I was offered my job back shortly afterwards, and I turned it down. I, I didn't want to go back. I knew that I was really unhappy in my professional career, and she supported me. She supported the idea. I cashed out my 401, and I took some time to reconnect with my kids, reconnect with our relationship, and arguably, the most importantly, was reconnect with myself. I had lost all of my self-interest, had been set aside because of the, the, the work lifestyle, so I got back into art, music, and gaming. And during the five or six years where I had set down art and music, I've always, I listened to music all the time, but I wasn't practicing music. I picked it back up and I was looking at how art had progressed and how music had progressed and technology was just really driving both of those fields forward. So I got into a little bit of 3D modeling, started learning a little bit about animation and realized that was the very first time I was ever presented with the subject where I was like, I need a teacher. I need somebody who can come up with some goals for me and help me get some curriculum because it was such a vast field and there was so much to learn with even the more simplistic UIs. It was just so much. And then with music, during this year, I had, I've always traditionally been into hard rock, heavy metal, things where there's four people, five people who are working together to make music. But I started listening to more electronic-based music and learned about programming and DJing and saw the technology behind it. And when my funds started to run dry and I had to look at going back to work, I knew that I wanted a solid reset for myself. 
And so I got a job working frontline in, in a tech company who they, their backbone was manufacturing the hardware that AT&T used for its UVerse product. So set-top boxes and things like that. And then their next piece was providing customer support for AT&T for the products that they made. So I started off in a call center making nine bucks an hour after going from six figures to nine dollars an hour. Nearly didn't get the job. Chris, it was crazy. The <laughs> recruiter was like, hey, you had a red flag during the interview process. And I was like, what? And they were like, yeah, we, you're a flight risk. And I was like, why am I a flight risk? Because you're not going to be making money. And typically a person who came from this background is going to leave shortly afterwards. And so I had to sit down with two people and explain that the last 13 months of my life and where I had been looking, what I had been doing, recentering, and, and that I knew what I wanted. And I was like, I don't plan on making $9 an hour for very long, but I do plan on staying in this industry. And if you give me a chance, I'll, I'll make it worthwhile. And nine months later, I was promoted. And then two months after that, I was promoted again. And I left as a senior operations manager with that company. And it was enjoyable. It was really enjoyable. And then I switched from working with that company to working with Kohl's, the department store for their corporate facilities. And I did five years working with them. 10 years into my professional career working with corporate America, and I found myself getting burnt out again. I had been working on a business proposal. My wife, again, full support. She's also in tech, just so you guys are aware. She's worked for Rackspace and she works for DigitalOcean now. And I Great product. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. She's, yeah. Her product's amazing. She's amazing. But I had been working on a business proposal and I was thinking about opening up an esports bar and grill. So I was like, you know what? I'm at crossroads in my life. I know I need to take a step back and figure out what I want to do next. And while I was putting the finishing touches on it, I met the owner of SD Tech by hap chance. And we had amazing chemistry that I had never experienced before. So him and I, we chatted for about 15 minutes and he was like, I had met him through one of his employees, arguably his worst employee, who has also been one of my longest high school buddies. And he introduced us. Hopefully so he's we not listening to his podcast now. Yeah, he, he knows it. He knows it. We went and sat down and had lunch about a week later. And over the course of an hour and a half, I realized that he needed some help getting his business out of this plateau area that he had reached. He had been running the business since 2000, basically by himself with a handful of employees. And in 2019, when I met him, he had been plateaued for a bit. And I was at this point where I knew that I didn't want to work in corporate America anymore. I wanted to open up my own business. And so I had a really interesting opportunity to come in with a startup, essentially, that had 20 years of experience under its belt. And the chemistry between Wes and I has continued for the last four years, and it's been absolutely amazing. We've quadrupled revenue, tripled our employee base, and have been able to expand our reach well outside of the Texas area. So that's a great story. Really uh, appreciate that background. It's helpful, and it's really cool to hear from where you've gone to, to even taking a step back and going to making a lot of money to almost no money, literally no money, and then just a little bit of money. That's a hard thing to do, no matter who you are, even if you hate your job. It, like you said, for five years, you hated your job and you dealt with it. That's, but to where you are today, is it's really great. And 
you said you've quadruple numbers and all that kind of stuff. Let's take a step back. What is it that you do there at ST Tech first? And then we'll walk into some questions from there, if that's fair. Cool. So my core responsibilities would be just overseeing day-to-day operations, our help desk support. So from ground up, I run all aspects of 90% of the aspects of that. I oversee our administrative team. I assist with client outreach, account management, and I assist with sales. So essentially, 90% of all of the, the different aspects of the business I have my hands in. I am the shadow of our CEO and founder. So what, whatever I can do to help him get his vision from in his head to reality, it really, it varies from day-to-day drastic. So I assume, is there specific franchises within Texas? Is that kind of how that works with SD Tech? And So the specific franchises is an interesting question. We have roughly 300 active clients monthly. And yeah. out of those 300, a handful of those are, they belong to three different franchises that we support. The two biggest ones being Massage Heights, which is a spa. They have 110 locations across the U.S. and Canada. And then our other large client is Keller Williams Real Estate, which I don't know if you're familiar with Keller Williams, but they're the largest real estate agency internationally. So we assist with their residential and commercial businesses. I don't even know. It's probably like 15 to 20 locations that we manage. We realized a couple of years ago that we had become really talented at bringing multiple locations together and helping unify the way that a business owner was gathering information, gathering data about their different locations and just making it easier for them to access that information and manage it. While we were reflecting about what made us good at assisting franchises, we then looked internally and said, hey, why haven't we considered franchising our own industry as well, franchising our own model? Mm. And so a year and a half ago, we did that. Wow. Congrats. That's a big move. That's probably some really good opportunity. It, um, it, it has been great opportunity. It's been very slow. We are very meticulous in how we go about this. And so we've poured a lot of time and energy into it and have just in the last six months picked up our first franchisee. And then we have slowed things down again while we're onboarding them. And now going into next year, we're going to be looking to ramp that up a little. So when you kind of look at the role of, let's say, data and what the tech franchising, with that model at SD Tech, how is data utilized to ensure consistency and quality across some of those, the franchises? If you only have one, I guess it's probably not all that difficult, but. Not, not yet, but they're right, just with any good franchise model, a big piece of it is making sure that it's scalable. And so whether you have one or 100, hopefully there's been a lot of thought into how you can scale that and manage that, that data. To be fair, Chris, this was something that we thought we were pretty good at. We, we thought we were pretty good at understanding our processes and making our processes repeatable, right? That's why we wanted to get into the franchise space at first. And so I realized recently that we weren't nearly as as good as we thought we were. At least we didn't have everything in place that we thought we did. Our franchisee, Andrew, he went to go, he's working with one of his first early prospects and he was working on putting some estimates together, right? So they had a great conversation about what 
services would match their company. And he went to put these estimates together and he came back to me and said, hey, I need some help with this. And I was like, estimates is something we do day in and day out. We should have some documentation about how to do this. And then, yeah, I was wrong. Turns out that estimating, since it's something we do day in and day out, we it's just been tribal knowledge and we've never documented the process at all. So we do our best to be mindful of all of these things, but the more we do it day in and day out, the more we realize that we need more documentation. It's crazy to me. Yeah, I think documentation always key. And so as you look at data and customer relationship management, how do you use data to enhance customer relations and service delivery in your role at SD Tech? Or do you? I absolutely do. A big piece of that is this. I have one client in particular who I was just pulling some reports on this morning and yesterday afternoon. They are a small medical office and they have about, about 40, 40 employees in different roles. So roughly 40 computers, a handful of tablets and things that are associated with those individuals. And I am working to put together a quarterly business review with this client, letting them know where they're at right now from a technology standpoint and looking forward to the next two to four years, what hurdles might they run into, what things are going to need to be upgraded. And so just pulling data on just their PCs, so pulling data on 40 PCs, it can be challenging. There's a lot of information that I would like to have readily available. What model yeah. of PC is it? What operating system is it running? Are there any patches that need to be applied? What hard drives are they using? What's the capacity and usage on those hard drives? And then the RAM. But how much RAM is in each computer? And what is the average use of that RAM? Because that will help me if I can get all that data consolidated and easy for me to read, then I can very quickly determine what the lifespan of that computer is, what it is. And then if I can put that together in a nice manageable format, then I can present that to our key stakeholders and let them know, hey, over the next two years, 10 to 15, 20 of your devices are going to need to be cycled out. You just start planning for that. We can start budgeting. Right? So data is very vital, not always easy to get, but yeah, it's definitely a big component of our business. That's so cool. I've always been curious on how these large universities and other areas manage their physical devices because in the software space, like when we're upgrading our software that's collecting this data, it's all in the cloud for 90 5% of the stuff that we build today, unless you're in the financial sector. But anyways, and then this idea that you have to swap out physical devices and you have to not only upgrade, patch, route, protect, right? But how do you put together a pitch? I'm sure that you get, you have some IT technical on your end, right? That you get to communicate with, but is everybody expecting kind of the transition of, Hey, this is what you're going to need to upgrade to, or is it always like a shock moment where they're like, what? I need to spend how much? So it, it varies from client to client. With the number of active clients we have, I would love to say that everybody expects it and that it's nice and easy and that the budgets are well thought out, but that's not the case. It, it really does vary from client to client. With the medical office, they're more tech-savvy direct employees. So mm. Tech is a hobby, and so she can explain a little bit here and there, but for the most part, there isn't anybody who is in their office that's tech savvy. So then they have to look at us as their technology partner and go, is this individual or this company, are they trying to, to give me information that's going to be best for my business? Or 
Is this a used car salesman? And are they attempting to make ends meet on their end? It's, there's definitely shock value at times, and it's not always well-received. And so collecting the data is really important because that, that helps provide a little bit more weight to the conversation and keep things more honest. How do you see technology playing a role in such a, in, in the growth and scalability of such a small business? Can you give an example of how technology is transforming some of this stuff? And Yeah, Chris, it's interesting because being in, in technology day in and day out in a professional career, being in technology day in and day out in my private life, I struggle sometimes in understanding how a person doesn't understand how much technology plays a role in a small yeah. business, medium business, large business. I don't, if, if you are planning to make money, there's going to be technology somewhere in there. Even if it's a young child opening up a lemonade stand for their first opportunity making some money, there's a good chance that they're going to get their recipe off of Google. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I guess there's also a solid chance that it might be coming from their mom or dad, but there's a solid chance that it's going to be coming from a recipe. Well, nowadays, it's going to come from yeah. ChatGPT. ChatGPT or <laughs> Give or me a recipe on or, Yeah. So I, I like to give, I'm from San Antonio, Texas. I like to give a good reference as a small business that you typically wouldn't think of being surrounded by technology as a taco truck. Right, A taco truck, you have your mobile truck that has a kitchen in the back and you're making some tacos and they're probably delicious, right? Really good gourmet style tacos, but in the back of a truck. Getting me hungry, Shames. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Tacos and margaritas. I'm in Dallas, so, by the way. Oh, fantastic, Chris. Then, then you're familiar with this model. I am. So a taco truck isn't something that you would typically think of as being technology centric, but this is a mobile vehicle that has to have some type of POS system in place yep. to be able to easily exchange money between a patron and the business. And so whatever format you're looking at for that POS system, it's going to be technology centric, whether you're looking at Square or Cash App or whatever. And so that's going to be there. How are you doing your bookkeeping? Are you using, you were mentioning how financials is the one aspect where it's not always what we expect it to be, but they're probably using like QuickBooks online to assist in managing their expenses and their, their income coming in and out the revenue. So there's that. And then social media aspects. So a taco truck, if it's going from place to place, they're going to want to keep their, their patrons informed about where they're going to be at. Instagram, Technology. whatever. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's, it's just ingrained. And that's what the taco truck, and that's an industry where the majority of people aren't going to associate technology with that. And then, yeah, it's, I, I, I could go on from Yeah, my, my brother is a counselor and has his own practice, and they have this whole scheduling system, and they have to apply for certain insurance companies to, be, to take and all this kind of stuff. Everything is done through a system that's fairly cheap, right? But it's all automated. Scheduling's automated. The insurance company thing is automated. Everything is done through automation now. And he's a guy like me that just has his own company that does this on the, not on the side of me, he does it for a living, but... He uses technology in a big way. You have to. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. It's, Absolutely. And, and counseling is not something that I think that the majority of people would associate technology with. No. Well, a lot of counselors don't know how to use technology that well. <laughs> Luckily, his <laughs> wife figured it out for him. So, so looking ahead, as you think on that same type of thing, like looking at technology, emerging technologies, what emerging technologies do you believe will have 
kind of the most significant impact on your business operations in the next few years? Uh, I think that we've already talked a little bit about the two biggest ones. One, you just mentioned automation. I think mm-hmm. that automation is going to continue to impact all companies in a very positive way. And automation is something that we've been spending a fair amount of time trying to do more research and development on what can we be doing in our own office to automate some of our more tedious processes. And then the second thing is the use of AI. If it weren't for even just chat GPT at its most fundamental processes, I would I struggle with with coming up with documentation. I am running multiple aspects of a growing business and creating documentation is extremely time consuming. Chat GPT has been able to reduce my time spent on it significantly. And I think that utilizing AI for documentation is we're barely scratching the surface for what it's going to be able to offer to business owners and employees. I think that the way AI has just recently started to impact the art and music space is really impressive, a little bit scary. But I think that once we get out of that field, we're going to we're going to be seeing more headlines about how AI is making everyday businesses better and making it easier to manage, especially the more tedious aspects of the business. Yeah, I think documentation is going to be key. Even uh, a company like ours, or I won't say big company, but certainly we deal with enterprise-like companies and our documentation team is, we have a whole team on documentation, by the way, but they are looking heavily into AI, feeding the AI engines and the models specific stuff about our company documentation and using other things like our online community and some other stuff to really feed the, the models. And then, then it spits out the answer pretty easily rather than having to search it online there, right? You just ask it a question, gives you the answers. We're working on that today. And we are hoping that something like that comes out in the next few months rather than in the next year or two, right? So that, that right. stuff is happening today. And I agree. Michael, anything around AI, ML, or any thoughts around? Yeah, no, it's, I think that you want to talk about documentation as a whole. Like documentation is changing right now at a thousand percent, 360 overhaul. When I do documentation in the programming space, talking about programming in a language like Python, as an example, I'm not writing documentation anymore. I'm finishing what I thought's in code, if I'm even coding right at that point, and saying, add documentation, add some test cycles. And I'm more of a teacher reviewing a student's submission to homework. Like I'm like, is this right? Yeah, it looks pretty good. Check, check, check. And I'm moving on. Previously, I would have to sit down and think about, okay, what are my doc strings? How do I want to represent this function? And it's just so good. And for 90% of the use cases, you don't need something that is theoretical, right? We're not talking about designing a new model here where the AI is not going to get it. We're talking about a function to do something that has been done thousands of times before by lots of different people. So the AI knows that. But these technologies are evolving in all spaces, right? I think another one that's parallel to documentation is in the legal space, right? Reviewing contracts and information. And I would imagine that if I was still running a small business that I did years ago, I would use it for the RFP process, right? Why would I write my own RFPs, which took days, by the way, to fill out? 
when I could just take their spec sheet, dump it in and say, come up with something good. Here's a couple of examples of my previous RFPs. It's probably going to get you 80% of the way there and cut it down from what would have taken hours to maybe 30 minutes, right? No, it's That's pretty spectacular. Well, Shane, any other words of wisdom uh, that you might have before we cut this off? No, I say no, but of course I want to follow that up. Chris, I think that the, the questions you've asked today, how data can assist a company, even like ours, a managed service provider, those types of questions, I think really can help get our, our brains moving and get our trains of thoughts going in slightly different areas than what we're used to. Technology is, is ever advancing. And I know that there's a lot of concern with how it's going to impact job market and things like that. But I think that it's because we're on the cusp of a revolution and there's, there's right. a lot of fear that comes along with that. But looking at how technology can make our jobs easier, what helps me is finding somebody who's a professional in that space and having some just good casual conversations. Somebody like yourself who's talking about data and it, and it may not even be you having the conversation. It might just be you asking me questions that make me think about it. Yeah. Or somebody like Mike who can fill in some of the gaps with AI and, and help us think about where it's at. I think that's great for me as a somebody who's running a small business. I really appreciate conversations like that. So I hope that everybody can get out there and whether it's from this conversation and listening to it or finding your own, don't hesitate to talk to people about what it is they really enjoy and what they're passionate about. Great. That, that, that was awesome. And hey, Shane, thanks so much for coming on Data Hurdles. Thanks, everyone, thanks so for, for tuning in to another Data Hurdles. I'm Chris Detzel, and I'm Michael Burke. And don't forget to rate and review us. Yeah.